This morning we are looking at the topic, the prosperity of the gospel. And it's something that been on my mind for a long time. I've always thought about it, about the gospel, about how we are supposed to, you know, spread the gospel, the mechanics of it, the technology of it, what God has called us to do. So some about a few weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, when the Lord laid the topic on my heart and started to point out a few things, I was in my own corner, I was happy about it because it's always good for us to know what the gospel is, what it stands for. So the prosperity of the gospel. The very first thing I'm going to mention about it, I'm going to try to be a little bit uh, methodical. Number one is the fact that God's template for the gospel is to always start from where is the hardest. God's template for the gospel is that it always starts from where it is hard, always starts from where it is dark. And the first scripture is a popular scripture, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in all Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Um, as a reason, the Lord gave that progression. Start from Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then go to Samaria, then go to the rest of the world. The hardest place that the gospel could have started from was Jerusalem. Don't forget that it was Jerusalem where they killed even the man that brought the gospel, Jesus himself. It was Jerusalem they killed him. It was in Jerusalem they beheaded John the Baptist. So Jesus is not coming. You would think he would say maybe start from somewhere easy. So you will gain some confidence and you will now be able to go to the hard places. No, Jesus said, Tarry in Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem, then start to spread the gospel. So many times, where the first place God sends you to is usually the hardest place for you to conquer. And when you have conquered that place, then you are able to go further. Many times, see the servants of God that start ministries, God really sends them to daddy for example of all places sent him to his own hometown and even the bible records that a prophet has honor everywhere else except his own father's house because even jesus when he went home the bible says he could do no mighty works he didn't say he could do no works what happened was that when jesus got home he healed headache he did, uh, your stomach was paining you. Jesus healed that one. But when you talk of mighty works, you talk of opening the eyes of the blind, you talk of the crippled, you talk of the dead, all the dead people Jesus raised, not a single one was from his hometown because there was an issue with honor in his hometown. The Bible says, uh -uh, this is not Jesus. Don't we know his parents? Are his brothers not here? They even listed the names of his brothers. Joseph, uh, Judas, uh, Jude. Named all four of them and said, and his sister's not here with us. So they despised them. And he couldn't do no mighty works there. But what God does 
is that remember the disciples all of you are bible students so i'm not going to be reading all the scriptures remember jesus said they should tarry in jerusalem until they are endued with power and the bible says they went to the upper room we know that the upper room was the upper part of the house where john mark and his mother used to live so they went to the house of mark and the upper room was there and that was where they had the last supper and that was where they went back so they had the last supper jesus said let's go to the garden they went to the garden jesus was caught jesus was killed and then said tarry in jerusalem so they went back to the last place that they had some quietness and some communion with jesus okay and jesus said tarry in jerusalem until you are endued with power so the gospel has this affinity for places that are dark for places that are difficult and usually those places end up becoming the launching pad you know i mean who has started a business here which which of your businesses was the most difficult the first one or the last one is usually the first one once you have conquered the first one like all of us here now the first few weeks when we got here were a little bit tricky I always tell this funny story, and I'm going to say it again. So we, we moved into our house at the time, and you know, we had not even bought, you know, the way, they, you, know, the way you try to set up your house for people to, that people can come and visit. So we had not done that. In fact, we didn't even have a dining table. We, we, had, we had not bought nothing. We had nothing. So uh, one of dad's friends, uh, was it Babado, he said, we are coming to your house. I said, excuse me, sir, you can't come. <laughs> if you, because at the time, we had not, the sofas were not, had not even come. Not, if they had come, they would have sat on the floor. All of us would sit on the floor together. So I said, excuse me, sir, you cannot come. He said, ah, we are coming. I said, no, sir, ah, you cannot come. And of course, at the time, they would have had to use the bus and all that. So sometimes the initial few weeks of settling, I know all of everybody here can tell stories of how it was the first time you were trying to settle. Maybe you even had to stay with somebody or maybe you had to manage some certain things. But that's usually the most difficult. It gets easier as you go along. And that is how God does it. God, God does it, you know. Yorubas will stay when you are eating your mama, you start from the flat side. God does not do that. God starts from the mountain side. Uh, so that where you have conquered. When God was going to deal with Goliath, why did he pick Goliath first? Once you cut the head, this, the spiritual principle is smite the shepherd, scatter the sheep. So that is also how God operates. So that's why you start reading the book of Acts. You saw that they got born again and 3,000 people got converted. And then you see the Bible now says that they started to meet daily in the temple and from house to house. The same temple that belonged to the people that killed Jesus was the same temple the Holy Ghost led them to to go and start doing daily meetings. And somehow... It was difficult for, for them to just round all of them up and kill them. Because though the gospel comes with, with, it comes for places that are difficult, God also, there is also a power embedded in the gospel that allows it to thrive in the most difficult places. 
that so that it doesn't matter because I'm sure all of you have met people that you you a part of you wanted to preach to the person, but you are like ah, this one cannot hear. How many of you have have, have looked at people like that and you're like this one cannot listen? In your mind, you had concluded that that person cannot listen. But there is a power in the gospel that even the most hard-hearted person can listen and be changed. And we'll get there. But there's also a component of the, script, of the gospel that is not... Hmm, I need to be careful the way I say this. Not everybody that hears the gospel will change. That's why Jesus was saying to the disciples that and in, in Matthew 24, that this gospel will be preached to the entire world as a witness. What does it mean when you say, I'm telling you as a witness? You know, you say something to somebody, they say, I told you now, and my wife, you are listening that I told you, so that the day will come where somebody will come and reckon with what you said, and then that day you would have a witness that that person will be able to stand with you and say, well, you knew I was there when he told that person that thing. Or, for example, daddy gives an instruction now, and I, like he did, and I've told all of you now. So that did they, if he calls and now says, did you tell your people? I will, and I say yes. Then he can call any of you and say, did you hear? And you say you heard. You will be my witnesses that I told you. So it is not every time that the gospel is preached and the end result is transformation. There are times the gospel is preached that the end result is that there will be a witness on judgment day against that person so that the person will not be able to say they did not. Do you understand me? Just, just, just stay with me. We'll, we'll get somewhere. And the reason for starting from Jerusalem is, is as an example to us. We are here now. We are in this church. But the day is going to come that we will not be here alone. Maybe you people from whatever hacks would decide, you know, let's start our own little home cell here, and you never know what that will become. But this is like the difficult side of it, because when the resources, when the manpower, when the ability comes to ex- for expansion, naturally expansion would happen. Do we understand me? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 24. We, 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 are still, we are still trying to... Hallelujah to you too. Luke 24 verse 49. It says, Jesus is speaking and he says, And behold, I send the promise of the Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. It is the same Jesus that said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The same Jesus that stood before the disciples and breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you are seeing it. He said, go ye into the world. And then he stands before them and breathes upon them and says, receive the Holy Ghost. It was, it was, and then he said, you have received the Holy Ghost. But tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. So there is the side of the of of coming in contact with God where you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But that does not automatically translate into power. 
this is why sometimes many children of God we find things that are that are supposedly bigger than us when we go and do the work of God because the fact that you can speak in tongues is not is not proof that you have power. Okay. Luke chapter 4. Let me try to show you the difference. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Please just stay with me, bear with me. Luke chapter 1 verse 1, chapter 4 verse 1. It says and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we agree that Jesus, all of you know what happened at when they were baptizing Jesus. He came out of the water. The Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. The Father spoke from heaven. Proper confirmation. Everybody heard. Ah, this is my beloved son. You would think from there, Jesus would just go and start miracles and fire ministry spirit and fire ministries jesus did not do that the holy spirit that came upon him grabbed him and said let us go into the wilderness and for 40 days jesus was in the wilderness that same luke chapter 4 you know then the temptations happened and everything and then you get to verse 14 it says and jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So now Jesus is not coming back alone with the Holy Spirit. He, he had the Holy Spirit and both of them went into the wilderness. But when Jesus was returning from the wilderness, he wasn't returning just with the Holy Ghost the way he went. He was returning now with power. That's why Acts 1.8, it says you shall receive power. So there is the Holy Ghost component of it, and then there is something that is supposed to happen with you and the Holy Ghost that the result of it is power. And it is because of, the, of that. So what the apostles lacked, was it wasn't that they lacked the Holy Ghost. You know, they didn't lack the Holy Ghost because Jesus breathed upon them and said, what? Receive the Holy Ghost. So they had a measure of the Holy Ghost and they were born again. But then Jesus said, go and sit down until the Holy Ghost comes upon you and then you will have power. And it is that power that allows you to become a witness for me in Jerusalem. So they were hiding in the upper room and all they were busy doing in the upper room was doing, you know, when Jesus died, he, had, he, he died and left five, about 500 disciples. And then by the time upper room, the Holy Ghost came in the upper room, he met how many? 120. How many did he lose? How many? It was 500 minus 120. So 380 decided this was in 10 days. So 10 days fasting and prayer. And church went from 500 to 120. You understand? So God is not afraid of reduction in number. You know the story of Gideon. Don't, don't let's go to that matter. Thousands. And then the God, he said, if you are afraid, go back. Bible says, I think about 21,000 went back. Left how many? 10,000 or so. And, Jesus, and the Lord said, these 10,000, they are still too many. So you can, the, the translation of that today is that you can see a church of 50,000 people. And Jesus is not there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God, we help all of us today. 
I'm looking for a, a, a verse. And is it Revelations 2 or 3 now? Where Jesus was staying, I stand at the door and I knock. You know, he wasn't talking to, if you find us, please, anyone that finds us, quickly help me find it. He's, Jesus is saying, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I need, I want, I need to find that verse. 320, thank you. This is Jesus talking to which church now? He's talking to the church in Laodicea. And he's saying in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Jesus is talking to who here? Jesus is talking to an entire church. And Jesus is telling church that I stand at the door and I'm knocking. The question is, what was happening inside? You understand me? If Jesus is outside, let's, let's say I'm outside this door and I'm knocking. And I'm saying, if, you, if anybody hears my voice, that means they were making so much noise that it was impossible for anybody to even hear that somebody was knocking. And so he says, in case you hear my voice, open the door, I will come and sup with you. What, what, what church was happening inside? that Jesus, the head of the church, was outside knocking. And you will see many examples like that. And I'm sure some of you, you've heard of things like that. It's, it looks like church, but it is not church because Jesus is outside. So people come in, you know, <laughs> a church was having board meeting one day and they were, you know, debating. And you know, churches are different in many areas of the world. So there are churches that if the board, if they are not happy with the pastor, they can vote <laughs> and they remove you. <laughs> I, I don't know. You understand? When God called the man, he called him and then he would remove him from what God called him to start. All sorts of. Anyway, so they were having board meeting that day and you know, you know people, sometimes the board, they are not very spiritual people. <laughs> can I think you said one day that he, 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 he was setting a fleece for God and he said, Lord, if you, at that time it was just a pastor hopping from church to church. So he said, Lord, if you want me, this church, I like them and they want me to pastor them. So if it is your will that I will be their pastor, uh, let it be that when they are bored, when they vote, they will vote 100% to employ me. If, if, if as much as one person votes against it, then I would know that it is not you. Does that sound nice to you? Does it sound good to you? Anyway, so they voted. And the entire board, 100% of the board voted to employ him. So they employed him. He said those two years or so that he was their pastor was the most miserable of his life. Pastor was miserable church members were miserable because all of them found out that they missed God by a mile. Yet, when they voted, everybody voted for the man. So he said one day he was preaching somewhere and some people from that church came to hear him and they were, and they were doing miracles and they were seeing the miracles and one of them came to that. Ah, when did you find this anointing? The man said, I've always had it. It was just when I was in your church that the anointing did not come. 
So he, he could heal the sick, open the. But every time he stood up to preach in that church, the anointing would just vanish. So both the pastor was the pastor was struggling, the church members also were suffering. The arrangements like that when the Holy Ghost is not in charge in the, in in the book of Acts when God Jesus said tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power. What do they do? They felt they needed to do some politics. So Peter got up in usual Peter version. You know, Peter was always like that. The man was always bubbling with ideas. He always felt the need to say something. So 10 days, they've just been praying and praying. You know, the Holy Ghost has not come. So they weren't praying in talks. They were praying the little they could pray. The one they didn't pray when Jesus was around, they prayed it that time in 10 days. And Peter said, hold up, we need to replace Judas. Did Jesus not know that Judas needed replacement? Did Jesus not know? Did Jesus ask them to go and do replacement? So he got up and went to do, and they casted Lot. And there are many different interpretations of that. I'm not going to go into that. But while he was busy doing Judas's replacement, the Holy Ghost was already looking for people like Paul. So it wasn't Peter's business to replace Judas. It was the Holy Ghost's business to replace Judas. But in his own, the Holy Ghost had not even come in the fullness that would allow them to make decisions like that. And then they went ahead and they made it. And the two people they nominated, the person they chose, you will never find his name anywhere in the Bible again. So the question is, what was the Holy Ghost's opinion of that matter, of that vote that they voted? You don't do God's things by votes. God does not do voting. God is not a democratic God. God, God does not. God is a king. Have you seen kings doing votes before they lay down law before? What kings do is that they lay down decrees. The king says this is what is going to be and that is what is going to be. So when we talk of the gospel and God is and Jesus is saying tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power and then you will be witnesses. So he's not just saying go and tell people alone. He's saying there is something that must be added to your life so that when you speak of the gospel you you speak in a way that power will be seen. So you know when the Holy Ghost came, Peter got and people are saying, ah, these people are drunk. And then Peter stood up and started to speak. Gave them what Peter did to them was not. If you read the preaching of Peter, he wasn't telling the Jews what they really didn't know because he started telling them their own history. But then he connected that history to Jesus, and the Bible says three thousand people were converted. And they started growing, and they started growing, and they started growing. You read the account of Stephen. By the time Stephen got up and spoke, you know, he wasn't preaching to them to get converted. He preached a sermon that got him killed. And they didn't change their mind. So it's not every sermon you, it's not every time you preach so like I started with that, the person will change their mind. It's just that that word will stand. If not that Stephen prayed and said, Lord, forgive them, don't lay this charge on them. Someone like Paul would have forever been lost. That's why God is always saying that. Even when people offend you, you know, was it last week I was teaching that when you, people offend you and you are doing good and you are heaping coals of fire, your coals of fire is not necessarily that God will burn the person to the ground. It is that God, you, that person, by virtue of what they have done to you and what you have done, you have brought them into a place where the purification fire of God will catch them. So that coal of fire is not to destroy them. It is to purify them. Are we still here?
Hallelujah. So you see that Jesus himself did nothing without power. Until Jesus, it was when Jesus came back from the 40 days fasting and now that power has been added to the Holy Ghost he had, that he went about and started preaching. So as well, the, one of the ways that our preaching, our spreading of the gospel will be effective is that we first tarry. You know, there's a part of people where they say, just jump out and just go and be telling people. How many of you had gone how to preach the gospel before? What would you call your success rate? Yeah? Somebody said immeasurable. Somebody said what? What would you call your success rate? Really, really, you don't know. But if you are going to judge by how many people you are, if, if the Holy Ghost eventually knows, because this is one way that the gospel works. Sometimes it is not the person, it is not your message that will change that person. Sometimes it is that they will come in contact with three, four people. And it is the fourth person that will finally get them to say maybe the sinner's prayer. But this is how God works. When God is going to account that soul, he's not going to account that soul to the last person. He's going to account that soul to all of you that contributed to the salvation of that person. So if you preach to somebody and they don't get born again, don't get discouraged. You might have just done the work of Paul. Paul planted Apollo's waters. God gives the increase and God would reward each person. So even if the person didn't get born again, don't get discouraged because you will still get your reward for what you have contributed to the life of that person. Do we understand? So Jesus now received power, received the Holy Ghost, and then went to, into a distillery. That was what his 40 days fasting and prayer was. It was, it was he went into the Holy Ghost factory. When he came back, he came back with power. And then he started to preach. So if you feel like your witness is not effective, it is not to... One of the things, one thing you should actually do is take some time out and go and, you are the Holy Ghost, and go and wrestle. We were saying it on Wednesday, if you, if you, you can always go back to listen to the Bible study on Wednesday, that when it, comes to, when it comes to power, there are different expressions of power. But also when it comes to, to power, there is praying in the Holy Ghost. Apostle was saying that we like praying in the Holy Ghost here. One of the reasons we do it is for accuracy. The Bible says you don't know what to pray, how you ought to pray. That's one of the advantages of praying in tongues. Um, Romans chapter 8. You don't know what you should pray, how you are supposed to pray. Let me tell you what that means. It means you, you suddenly remember that, oh my God, I need to balance my school fees, for example. And then you went to God and said, oh Jesus, oh Lord, the rest of my school fees. That's, that was the thing that came to your heart. And that was the prayer you started to pray. But it might be that at that point, the prayer is not that God did not hear you. You know that it, it wasn't when we pray, we are not telling God what he doesn't know. You know, it is not when you are praying that you are telling God that you need school fees. God already knew that you needed school fees. Abby, well, the reason we tell God about those things is not to inform him, is to bring him into the situation. Because God will not poke his nose in a matter that you didn't call him. So when you pray, you are giving God permission to interfere with that whole arrangement. So, you, so when you say, Lord, I need school fees, he already knew you needed school fees, but now that you have asked him, because 
the Bible says that heaven is God's throne and the heart he has given to the children of men. What that means is that on earth, human beings have honed the jurisdiction. Of course, we handed the authority to Satan. But when it comes to the things on the earth, God has given the heart to men. So it is men that will decide what happens here. Do we understand? So what that means is, unless you now say, God, I know you have given the heart to us, but I'm inviting you to deal with this matter. Unless you do that, God cannot come to the earth and start to do things because he, God will be violating his own words. So God bound himself. It's not that you can bind God. It was God that bound himself by saying, the earth I have given to the sons of men. So sons of men decide what happened here. So if evil is happening, go and find, don't blame God. When you see evil on the earth, human beings did it. When you see oppression, human beings did it. I was, I was watching a video yesterday, and this guy, a billionaire, was saying that um, he believes that unemployment should rise to like 30%, 40%. And they said, why? He says, so that employees can know that they work for their employer and not the other way around. I don't know if you understand me. So he, he would have um, un um, unemployment rates in America. Imagine what that means for unemployment rates in America to be 40%. That means almost half of 350 million people don't have a job. You know what that means? And he's saying that he doesn't mind. He's a billionaire, so of course he will say such nonsense. That he doesn't mind so that he can teach people a lesson. If that person was in control of your life, what do you think he would do? So there are people that, so one of, and that's why we pray that the, the rod of the wicked will not rest upon the lot of the righteous. That when people are doing their own wickedness, it will not get anywhere near you. Because people, there are, <laughs> when you say God delivers from wicked men, there are wicked men. They are wicked. We were talking about it, was it last week or so? Some of the professors you had when you were in uni, he will put his own children and wife in America. He will be oppressing you here. You understand? You, you know what I'm talking about. He will be oppressing you because he's, he, in his mind, his wife and children are beyond rich. But you know the way evil works. Bible says when the, when the wicked man stops to do evil, then evil will find him. It is when he thinks, okay, I have, uh, let, me, let me rest now. That's when he will receive a phone call that somebody somewhere failed his, ch his child in the final university exam. And he'll be wondering, how did it happen? He will not know that children of people that he was oppressing. The cry of the oppressed, some people that God always fights for, the oppressed, the fatherless. God takes it personally when you oppress somebody that is fatherless because God takes it as his own responsibility. So if homeless people, fatherless people, orphans, if you oppress them, God will oppress you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So one reason you pray in tongues a lot is, so I was giving an example that, so you said, uh, Lord, my school face. So you are praying, oh God, my school face, oh God, my school face. And God, and, but the prayer on the heart of the Holy Ghost for you that time could be pray for your mother. But you don't know that. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, because that, it is the Holy Ghost sponsoring that prayer. So in tongues, you, would, you will be praying in tongues and you think you are praying for your school face. But in tongues, you are actually praying for your mother. Because that is the prayer that is on the heart of God for you at that time. And then you, you do that. And then it also says, if you don't know what to pray for, how you ought to pray. So it means that, let's even now say, somebody now tells you that, my friend, let's say an angel now comes and says, hmm, that school fees prayer you are praying is not the correct prayer. The prayer is pray for the life of your mother. And then you change your prayer and say, oh Lord, my mother, oh Lord, my mother, oh Lord, my mother. The Bible still says that you don't know how to pray as you ought. That means you don't know how long you are supposed to pray for until that matter is resolved. So you don't know whether you're supposed to pray for five minutes and the matter is done. Or you need to pray for 30 minutes and the matter. Or you need to be mentioning it every day for the next seven days. You don't know. So it is the Holy Ghost that will come and furnish that information of how long it will take. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was praying, was he not? And then the angel was held down for 21 days by the prince of Persia. What do you think would have happened if David, Daniel stopped praying on day two? What do you think would have happened? Do you think the angel would have made it to him? No, the angel would not have made it to him. So he needed to continue praying. He prayed. He didn't stop praying 21 days. He didn't do 21 days because that's what he wanted to do. In fact, the Bible says when he started praying, the angel came and told him that once you started praying, God answered you. So God had answered day one. So if everything had gone well, the angel would have gotten to Daniel when day one. So he wouldn't have done 21 days prayer. But because king of prince of Persia decided to arrest the angel that was coming to deliver good news daniel kept praying as he was praying what he didn't know that he would he thought he was praying lord uh the nation of israel but what he was actually praying was a warfare prayer that enabled uh, an angel like michael to be dispatched to free the notice that michael didn't say okay let me go deliver the message it was still the angel that god sent that brought the message so there are people in your life that god has ordained that this person will be the one that will do this thing for you so the contention is that you will pray until that person gets into position to be able to do that thing for you there are messengers there are times when god will not change the messenger but what would happen is that your prayer must be intense until that messenger gets to a place to deliver the message so that's why you pray in tongues but when you also pray in tongues when sometimes you don't have a prayer point you are just praying and you are just praying what you are doing is you are putting your spirit in a place where the holy ghost can enlarge its capacity in you let me explain that when you receive the holy ghost you don't receive half holy ghost do you no you don't uh, you know, uh, one of the prayers people used to pray and say, Lord, give me power. Lord, give me power. That prayer is a waste of time. Because all the power you would ever find is in the Holy Ghost. In Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. 
in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The first person you will see, you know, you say God created heavens and the earth, but when the actual creation act started in verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the way it always works is that the Spirit of God will first brood over a matter and then God is able to do it. So in the baptismal service of Jesus, you saw the Spirit descending as a dove and then the Father spoke. You see in the, what do you call it, the Noah's Ark, it will send out a dove, the dove will come back. He will send out a dove. That was a ministry of the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, the Bible says the dove would go and just hover around. And because he doesn't find rest for his feet, meaning the Holy Ghost would not put his feet on nonsense. The Holy Ghost would not put his feet on death. The Holy Ghost would not, would not put his feet on contamination. So the Bible says the dove will go around. And because he finds no rest for his foot, he will come back to the ark. The same way in Genesis 2, 1 verse 2, the Holy Spirit was hovering. He didn't rest. He was hovering over the darkness and everything. So all the, And then when the Holy Ghost has done that, assessed the situation, and then the Holy Ghost goes, okay, this is how much power we need for this matter that we are supposed to execute. And then the Father speaks. So when you say, Lord, give me more power, God is just looking at you like, even me, when I need to do something, the person that supplies the power to do it is the Holy Ghost. And so I gave you what power. So the Holy Ghost is the person that powers God. I don't know if you are getting me. When you are talking of the Godhead, the, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the, 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 the power center of, out of the three of them is the Holy Ghost. You understand me? He's the, the Holy Ghost that, has all, that is the power center. That's why Jesus was speaking. He said... If you sin against the Father, we'll forgive you. You sin against Jesus, we'll forgive you. But that one against the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is who holds everything together. It is the Holy Ghost that confirms the word of God. That goes to work. When God declares and says, let there be. Then Jesus goes into the creation mode. But he creates that thing by the power of the Holy Ghost. So now we have the Holy Ghost. But somehow the devil is still able to oppress us in different ways. It's not because the Holy Ghost is powerless in us. It's because the measure of the Holy Ghost that you can handle is the measure you have. And if that measure is not big enough to confront the situation that is confronting you, there will be problem. Let me give an... How do I do this? Imagine... I'm, you, all of you, we watch movies, Abby. You've seen, have you seen movies where they were dropping bombs? You've seen those movies before where maybe like they dropped bomb from a plane or something like that. You know that when they drop the bomb, the bomb itself doesn't look too, doesn't look too big. You, I, have you seen those things before? You know the bomb doesn't look very big. But, but when that bomb goes off, you imagine the amount of damage it does. The Holy Ghost inside you is like that bomb. So, you know, when, when before the bomb is activated, you can leave it here. Children can be climbing on top of it and climb and jump down. Nothing will happen. But the day they turn that thing on and they drop it over a nation, <laughs> kilometers damage. That is how it looks like. The Holy Ghost is like that inactivated bomb in our lives. 
all the power is in that bomb, is it not? All the damage it can do is inside the bomb. But unless it is activated, that bomb will be something all these children can play with. That is how, why we pray in the Holy Ghost. So that we are, what we do is that we are expanding the capacity of our spirit to be able to handle more. And the more space you give the Holy Ghost, the more is able to expand and activate in your life. You remember the story of that woman that Elijah said, go and borrow vessels. The Bible says, as long as there were vessels, what was happening? All continued. When the woman said, more vessels, and the children said, vessel has finished. What did the Bible say? It said, the oil stayed. It didn't say the oil stopped. He said the whole state. That means if 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 that woman knew what to do, the day ves- empty vessels show up again, she can go back and say the God of Elijah, and she'll start pouring again. And imagine if she came to borrow vessels from all of you. No, just imagine. Imagine she came to collect your 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 bathroom bucket, and now you say, hey, "What's her name now? What what name can we call her?" Ah, mommy Juliet, can I have my bucket? And she will say, eh, there is a bit of a challenge. Um, your bucket is full of oil. And she say, give me the oil now. No, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> your own bucket, you <laughs> sell it to you. Sell it to you with the oil inside. But that's how she made that money because the, the prophet told her, now go and sell. The people that borrowed that vessels are the people she sold the oil to. But they did not, they would have to buy because they needed oil too. So you say, ah, it will cost you one gallon, no, and that gallon is your own gallon. My own gallon, no, my own gallon. But your own gallon didn't come with oil. <laughs> and now this <laughs> it has oil. God bless us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So the power of God was demonstrable in the life of Jesus and in his ministry. You know, if you read Romans 1, 5, 1 to 5, it talks of the fact that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power. And again, if you read 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 21, speaks of the fact that the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those that understand it, those that have come in contact with God, it is the power of God until salvation. So there is, if there is one thing that we need to get today, is that there is a power component to spreading the gospel. There is a power component in it. And, and that power component should be something that we are after. That when we pray our own prayers, we say, oh God. And I know I have the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm speaking in tongues. I know I'm, I have the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm born again. But let that power component of my relationship with the Holy Ghost be seen. Let that power be seen. Let that power come into form. Unless you, there are people that you can preach, speak all the English you want. It will not get to them. You know, uh, a son of God was saying that he, he, a journalist accosted him one day and he said, you people always just claim that you hear God. You'll be talking word of knowledge. You'll be talking this and this. What, are, what do you people even mean? So the man of God said he was thinking of what to say. And the Holy Ghost said, don't reply him. He said, okay. So what did I do? I um, asked him about his mother's cancer. 
So instead of, you know, a journalist is asking you questions, you would want to respond normally and start saying, well, according to the scriptures. No, so the man said, that your, by the way, that your mother that has cancer, is she doing? And the journalist goes, who told you? <laughs> How did you know that his, mother, that his mother had cancer? And he said, in fact, call her now. Tell her to check because it's gone. So the journalist picks the phone, calls his mother, and says, hey. And the mother is crying, and he said, why are you crying? He said, because the tumor just vanished. So the journalist put out his phone and started weeping. And the man of God said, well, that's a word of knowledge you were asking about. That's. When that man goes back to write his story, what do you think he's going to write? What do you think he's going to say? Because one of the reasons why church is the way it is in this nation is because the power component of it has been lost. That when churches like the big uh, Anglican or whatever churches, they now need to make decisions. <laughs> and then we are debating who qualifies as a man and who doesn't qualify as a man, who is a man, who is a woman and all that. Imagine if the Holy Ghost fell in the middle of that council meeting. How many will he kill? How many will he spare alive? You think that nonsense debate will continue if the Holy Ghost was in the building? It won't. One of the signs that the Holy Ghost is not... <laughs> Have you read... If you go and read church history, you know all these caps that are all the bishops and all these regalia. You know how it came into church. You know the apostles did not dress like that. When Jesus was sending them out, he said, don't even as much as take an extra cloth. Just get to the place and say, peace be unto you. If there is a man of peace in the house, they will let you in. If there is no peace, your peace will stay with you. Keep working. So that was how Jesus sent them out without provision. Don't worry, the provision for what you need will meet you where you go. It is the same thing with the life of God. If you are where you are supposed to be, the things you need to live where you are supposed to be will find you. So now we went from Jesus sending his disciples like that to our caps and you know that regalia, somebody will carry some cross and be going in front of, you know how we, you know how we ended up with, like, with that? Hmm. A, a man was said that, he was talking to a young man and the young man was saying, ah, look at all this beauty, look at the way the procession, church procession, the young man will say, ah, we can no, as that the young man has said to the old man and said, we can no longer say silver and gold, we have not. You know, because it was seen how beautiful, you see, you see beautiful cathedrals and all these places. You've seen them. If you've not seen them, you should go around London and go and look at those fancy cathedrals. You will be amazed at how did they even begin to put this stone on top of the other one. And it will be so high and crazy like that. And so the young man was looking at it and he was stunned and said, ah, we can no longer say silver and gold we don't have. And the old man shook his head and said, well, we cannot also say rise up and walk. So, yeah, that was what happened. When the power left, the regalia came. You go and read church history, you find that when they could no longer do the things that the apostles did, they needed a system to now keep everybody. I was reading some church history recently, and there was a phase in the, in the history of the churches that 
even they agree that the decadence and all their synods and all those things they used to do. There was a bishop was writing that he feels more comfortable no longer attending the meetings because the things that happened there, things that happened there. Emperor Constantine, for example, what did he do? Because he, he wanted to marry church and state. So he adopted Christianity as the official religion. But one of the consequences of that was also that he policed it. So he was both the head of the church and also head of the Babylonian cult at the same time. And most of those regalias you see, they are regalias of the Babylonian cult, not regalias of the church. Church never had those things, but they, they, they did transference. So he matched both. You people hold Jesus. Me, I'll bring you the outfits of demons. It's only a matter of time. So sometimes you say, uh, you see some women are in a building and they never got married and you think, go read your Bible history. Go read your church history. They used to call those people at the time, they used to call them Vestal Virgins. You know what Vestal Virgins are? They are <laughs> in the days of Solomon and all those wicked men. When you go into your temple and you offer your sacrifice, once, your, once the priest says your sacrifice is accepted, the way you celebrate will be to enter one of the rooms in the temple and you had those women there. So think of it. The way you celebrate that God accepted your offering is to sleep with one of the temple prostitutes. Think about it. And that was the, that was the practice. And that was what has graduated to what you people call, you know what I mean now. They will say the man did not marry. The man did not marry until you find that the man has a wife and family. You've, you've not heard those stories before. I heard one. The demand was always like, ah, he will die serving God. Until they found out he had a wife and so and by five children in another state. So every time he says he's going to minister, he's going to do bodily ministration with his wife in the next state. If you want to marry, marry. <laughs> Hallelujah. So some of the, the mixture is why the power left. And I've always told us in this church that when the Holy Ghost comes, he comes with a shout. When he leaves, he leaves quietly. When, when, when the Holy Ghost was supposed to come on Jesus, did he come quietly? How did he come? He came as a dove. People saw, people heard what the Father said. When the Holy Ghost was going to come in the upper room, how did he come? There was a shout, there was lightning, and, and there was fire on everybody. So Peter was standing with fire on top of his head. Why won't you listen? If I stood there now and fire was burning on my head, anything I say, you will be saying amen. But because you don't see it now, you, are, you don't say amen. amen. God open your eyes so you can see. He's here. Amen. You just can't see. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you know, the Holy Ghost comes with a bang like that. It's always loud. But when he leaves, so when, when the Holy Ghost came on Samson, what did he do? He would go around and catch foxes. You know what? It, you, you, know, you know what is called a fox? They say the fox is so wily. The fox is so next to the serpent. The fox is probably the next sly animal you find. You understand me? And then Samson went and caught not one, not two, 300. And he tied them tail to tail and set them on fire and sent them into the... When the Holy Ghost was going to leave Samson, how did the Holy Ghost leave? Bible said he rose up to go as other times, but he did not know that the spirit had left him. So when he got, ah, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Said he has said to go like before. Oh. 
grabbed him and removed his eyes. Many times it is when people go outside that they realize that the spirit was not working with them. And then they will see, what do you call that thing they will see? Okay, that one. So let's make sure, you must tend your relationship with the Holy Ghost because that is where the, where the power of this gospel is. That is why the word of God would ever be effective in our mouths. I was telling you that they sell salmon books now that I could buy and I will be... After you understand, go on Amazon, you go and Google salmon notes, you will find enough. You, or you go and just go and look for a, a servant of God you like and go and listen to his messages and just be repeating his messages. Make sure that we don't know him. So you can be repeating all the madness that people get away with. But the reason they have to do that is that they have to make up for the loss of power. They have to make up for the loss of the presence of God. You don't have to do that. Why? They will say, why should you fake something that can be real? Why? If you didn't have access to the power of the spirit, then fine, maybe you can do the gimmicks you want, but why should you fake it when there is the possibility of being real? The Holy Ghost is at work. The Holy Ghost is available to us, but we must make sure. That's why every, one of the reasons you pray every morning is not just, Lord, I'm going out today to look after my family. No, 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 no. Sometimes you need to pray, the Holy Spirit, are you still, are we good? And the Holy Ghost will say, we are good. And then you someday say, Holy Ghost, are we good? And the Holy Ghost doesn't answer you. You know that the, the consequence of that is that you need to go and enter some prayer. Some of you, you need to go and commit yourself to three days fasting because you can't remember the last, I mean, you can't remember the last time the Holy Ghost spoke to you. If you can't remember, go and enter some, go and commit yourself to some prayer program. The Holy Ghost wants to speak to us and the Holy Ghost wants to be seen. You know, Jesus, one of the characteristics of spirits is that, number one, they're always looking for his body to possess, yes or no. That's why, you know, you talk of witches and you say witches enter the cart. You know what I mean? Don't, as a general rule, don't go and kick people's cats in this country. You would, <laughs> you, they will call the police and they will, they will grab you for animal cruelty. Don't even, when you see the cat, just worst case, just go that way, let the cat be, be doing your own, let the cat be doing. So, a spirit always is always in need of a body, always. So, whether it's a cat, that's why the man, you remember the story of the man of the madman of Gadara. How many did they say they were in him? When Jesus said, what is your name? The, the, the chief demon said, Legion. And he gave the reason, because we are many. In Roman culture, a legion is between 2,000 to 10,000 soldiers. That means that man had a minimum of 2,000 demons in him. How could he be normal? So you understand why the Bible described him as saying he, he will be cutting himself with rocks. He will be bleeding. He lived in tombs in the midst of the dead people. He was ah, the zombies that possessed him. Of course he will live in tombs. And then Jesus came. And Jesus set him free. And then those spirits needed somewhere to go. So they said, please send us into the swine. And Jesus said, go. And when they went, the Bible says the swine, all of them, 
perished. The reason the swine went crazy is because what possessed them was, was the kind of intelligence that possessed the pig. The pig could not express I don't know if you get me. The, the pig did not have the capacity to express the spirit that was inside it. That's why demons wants to process human beings. Because essentially, many of them are dismembered beings anyway. Many of them are the spirits when, I don't want to go there, when the sons of God and the sons of men did things and God had to destroy that whole generation. Many of those children they had now were dismembered spirits. So a, a, a demon is always looking for human beings. That's why you, you talk of demons and demons possessing people. But you don't talk of principalities and powers. Those ones don't have time to be possessing people. They are where? Where, where does God say that principalities and powers are? In heavenly places. So they are not busy going around people possessing people because they are they are demonic. They are fallen angels and demonic chiefs. So the same way you have Michael and Gabriel on Jesus' side, you have those people on Satan's side. And Michael is not looking to possess you. Michael is looking to come and fight for you. So those ones, principalities and powers also are on that side, not looking to possess people. But the demons, those low-level ones, are looking for people to possess. And one of the characteristics of spirits is that when they possess somebody, how do you know that someone has the spirit of madness? Because, because they will act mad. So it is impossible to have a spirit and not express the nature of that spirit. So if you have the Holy Ghost, the way we would know we, you have the Holy Ghost is not that you told us. It's that the things you do are consistent with the spirit in you. That's why, you know, Jesus had gone to Samaria and done crusade. And then the Bible says Jesus was coming back. And the people of Samaria wanted Jesus to stay for a few days. And Jesus said, no because he had set his face to Jerusalem because he was going to go and die. And then James and John said, Ah, Jesus, let us call fire from heaven. What did Jesus say to them? You don't know the manner of the spirit you have. Jesus didn't say you can't call. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, you people don't have the power to call fire. Jesus agreed that the spirit that was inside them was capable of calling fire. The problem was they did not understand the kind of spirit that they had. So the, 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 it's not because God doesn't have power to judge people in certain ways. It is that the kind of spirit in us, it is not, the, the, the aim of the Holy Ghost is not destruction. It is redemption. So if God is letting you call fire, sometimes that's why the Holy Spirit does not express himself fully in some people. Because what you will do with that power? Imagine if you have, if, if all the men here, you have, you, God has given you license that if you call fire, fire will come. Some of you, maybe you'll be on wife number five now. Because anytime your wife says something you don't like, you just fire. <laughs> and then all of us will have to come to engagement again because. <laughs> you know, like Elijah. The captain of 50 and his 50. If I be a man of God, let fire. And the Bible says fire came and consumed the first, the 50 and the first one. Then the king sent another captain of 50 and his 50. Elijah said again, if I, if I, that's how fire came and destroyed that one again. 
And then the last one came, <laughs> my father. <laughs> I, I am wife and children at home. Can you, can you have mercy? <laughs> and then the Lord said, now go with him. And he went. How many people were, how many soldiers were sent in all? 153. How many fishes did Paul Peter catch? Bible students, how many fishes did, when Jesus came to Peter and made him catch fish, how many fishes did he catch? <laughs> Jesus. John chapter 21, verse 11. If you found it, please read. John 21, verse 11. Somebody should please read for us. Read it loud so everybody can hear. Please give the person a mic. Give somebody a mic. Please read John chapter 21, verse 11. No, that's not Simon Peter. John chapter 21, verse 11. So Simon Peter went abroad and found the men ashore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now Jesus had died and everything and risen again. So. So the, Elijah was busy using the Holy Ghost to cast fire on people. But Jesus now came here to demonstrate to Peter that actually the power of the Holy Ghost is not to send fire, it is to gather. So Eli God was telling us that Elijah could do those things because he had the license, but that was not necessarily what he was supposed to do. And the Old Testament is full of things like that. You know, I, was, I saw a video this week and it was shocking. And the man was saying that all of you people that said that, God can, that polygamy is a sin, you don't know your Bible. Mm -hmm. So he said, David, how many wives did he have? Did the Bible not say that he's the friend of God? Abraham, how many wives did Abraham have? <laughs> and I shook my head because he, he, all the reasons he gave, he pulled them from the Bible. So if you don't know your Bible, you would have said, according to, th that man was, you, you would have thought that man was making sense because he was using scriptural examples. But the fact that it is in the Bible does not mean it, it, God endorses it. Satan spoke in the Bible. Men, fallen men and righteous men spoke in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar that did golden image was also the one that said, anybody that talks nonsense about the God of Daniel, it, it doesn't mean that every case in the scripture, God endorsed it, but God put everything there for our learning. And you can begin to address all the... David. David was such a... I was reading Leviticus, and God was giving instructions to kings. So you know that the fact that, you know... <laughs> God, God, here. Yeah? 
when when Bible says so Samuel was the leader over the Israelites, and then he was growing old, and the people and his sons unfortunately did not walk in the way of Samuel, which was a shame because God brought Samuel to look at Eli and the children of Eli. So Samuel should have learned from what God did to Eli and Eli's sons, but Samuel did not learn. So that his own sons also were like the sons of Eli. And so the people said, can you give us a king? And Samuel was like, oh my God. He started weeping, ah, God, these people are asking for a king. And God said, Samuel, it's not you they rejected, it's me. But do you know that in Leviticus, God already gave instructions for the kings of Israel? You want me to go and look for it? I'm not going to look for it. Go and look for it. It is in Leviticus. Go and find it. And God was saying that when the king, that the king must, with his own hands, write out all the law and be reading it every day. He must not have multiple wives. God wrote it that the king must not have multiple wives. David, the king after God, how many wives did he have? And he did not go and collect somebody else's wife. And the same God came out. When God was judging David, God said, if you wanted more wives, would I not have given you? It's not because God was endorsing multiple wives. God was just using it as figure of speech. But somebody would read that and say, ah, God, God, is, God doesn't mind multiple wives. But when God was writing it in Leviticus, he already said, you don't marry multiple wives. So one thing about David was that he knew how to say sorry a lot. It's not that David was not the perfect example of kingship in that sense. In fact, Moses was, was more of a king <laughs> than David. You know that Moses was the first king in Israel. Do you know that? Do you know that? So Moses was the first king. Let me, so that I won't look like all of us in this place, we will know our Bible by force. <laughs> by force, so by force. Okay. Deuteronomy 33 from verse 1 says, and this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Mount Zion to them. He shined forth from Mount Param and he came with 10,000 of his saints from his right hand went a fairy law to them. Three, uh, yay, let me jump quickly because of time to verse 4. Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Verse 5, and he was king in Jeshurun. Jeshurun is another word for the nation of Israel. So this is the Bible saying that Moses was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. And then he started to speak, let Reuben live and not die. So when, when he started, you know, you know Jacob did the same. Jacob said, he called the children of Israel and said, come, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. Reuben, you are my firstborn, the excellency of my strength, and this is, you will not excel. And because of what Jacob said, the, Reuben, the tribe of Israel was shrinking, Reuben was shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. So when Moses came, the Reubenites were like the, one of the smallest tribes in the nation, so that Go and read, read the first five books. When they were, they, they were too small to be given their own portion by themselves. Otherwise, the enemies will overrun them. So they had to add them to another tribe. And then you look at the Levites. Also, be, uh, Simon and Levi. Because of, he said, called them instruments of cruelty. And what did God? He said they will be scattered. So the tribe of Simon also didn't really, when they were getting lands, they didn't really give the tribe of Simeon, they had to add, I think they added them to the tribe of Judah. 
So everything they said came to pass. And what happened to the Levites? God did not even let them receive anything. God scattered the Levites throughout the nation. So the things that Jacob said came to pass. But in the case of Reuben, <laughs> they, Moses now stood up and said, let Reuben live and not die. Let it, and don't let his people be few. He could say that because he was standing in the office of a king over the nation. So that the words that Jacob said, even though Jacob was their father, there was somebody else that came in the anointing of a king and reversed the words of the father. So if your biological father has said things, that's why you come to the house of God. Because in the house of God, Jesus is king. And when you stand to speak for Jesus, you are standing in the authority of Jesus. So I can stand and say that cause your father laid on you. Because of the anointing of the kingship of Jesus, it will not happen. And it doesn't matter what your biological father does, it will not happen. So when you talk of power, there is, a, there is a power in the gospel that is enough. It doesn't matter how stone-hearted. Go and read the accounts of Apostle Paul. Paul was not only going around preaching to the Ephesians and the Corinthians. And all, he had friends. and He said he was speaking of people that he preached to in privacy. Kings. So in, 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 there were people that did not come to Paul's regular services, but in their privacy, when they are alone, Herod uh-uh. that beheaded John. You know the Bible says that Herod will be going to John to go and consult with John. Do you know that? Should we go and find the passage? Herod, Herod would, what happened was that though John the Baptist was in jail, Herod would always go to, he, he put her in jail because of his wife, Herodias. So he would always go to him and have conversations and say, prophet, prophet, I know you are here in jail here, but can we, can you tell me about this, your God? Can you tell me what's going to happen to my nation? So they were consulting like that. And Herodias was not happy. So then when the day came, he was thinking the way this matter is going, one day, this man will free this my enemy. So the day bad day came, said, what do you want? Up to half of my kingdom. Somebody promises you half of it, or gives you the opportunity to take half of his kingdom. You said, no, I just want the head of John the Baptist. Why? Because that kingdom will be useless as long as John the Baptist was alive. You don't understand. Go to the, you know, John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But one of the problems with John was that the people came and said, John did no mighty miracles. That means John had all the power of Elijah. He never used it one time. And that was why they could behead him. In the Old Testament, you read the story of Elijah. And Elijah is saying, and Jezebel says, God do so to me. If I, this time tomorrow, I don't cut your head. Have you thought about that matter? Why send messengers to tell him? Why don't you just send the soldier to cut his head? You, you, you sent a messenger to go and tell somebody you will cut their head. And the messenger got there to tell Elijah that Jezebel said we should tell you that this time tomorrow she will cut off your head. Why bother sending a messenger? Why not just send the, the soldier so now, instead of the messenger finding Elijah, soldier will find him, cut his head, and bring you the head. The matter has finished. Because she knew that Elijah was untouchable as long as he was not afraid. 
So it wasn't a question of really cutting his head. It was that she needed Elijah to get to a place where he no longer trusted his God. And at that point, he would become vulnerable. If, if she had sent a soldier and said, go and cut off the head of Elijah, what do you think Elijah would have done to the soldier? Call fire. So, but as long as Elijah was afraid, he was vulnerable. So he started to run. Bible says he is servant. He left the servant, kept running, kept running. And he ran until he couldn't run anymore. And he got to a tree and slept. Angels came and gave him food. And then, you know, that story. He took the food, walked the strength of the food for 40 days to the mountain of God in Oreb. And then when God was going to speak to him, God spoke to him like the Holy Ghost speaks to us. Said there was fire and earthquake. God was not there. There was lightning and thunder. God was not there. And then a still small voice. When you describe the speaking of the Holy Ghost, what do you say? A still small voice. So where you run to when you are afraid is where? Where the still small voice can find you. Where do you go when you are struggling? Where the still small voice can find you. Why was it that they were eventually able to be at the head of, cut off the head of John the Baptist? Because he started to doubt and fear what he believed. If, if John never doubted Jesus, they would, it would have been impossible to cut off his head. But once fear and doubt entered, he became vulnerable. And unfortunately for him, in a, a Jezebel knew, because Jezebel sent the messenger and Elijah was running, Elijah could run away. In this case, he made sure that this Elijah could not run. It was that spirit of Jezebel that was in Jezebel that was also in Herodias. What did she do? What was the quarrel? Herodias <laughs> was married to the brother of Herod. But because Jeze the spirit of Jezebel is always attracted to power, so she dumps brother for the king. You understand me? You dump the king's younger brother because he was not king. You went to marry king. And the king accepted to become enemies with his younger brother because of power. When Apostle Paul was dealing with the, the man that took his father's wife, have you ever thought of why a woman would dump the father for the son? Because that young man was an important man in that, com in that congregation. He was not, it was not, no not a non-entity. He was a, an important man. So she need, that woman needed to be close to power. That's why Paul was like that when he was judging that matter. Because he understood clearly that, hey, this is the spirit of Jezebel trying to sit on top of the church. If you go and read Revelations 2 and 3, you will see where Jesus is addressing Jezebel. I have a thing against you. You've allowed that woman, Jezebel. Every time you see power, Jezebel is not too, it's not too far. So the power of the gospel. The second thing I was going to say, but I don't think I would get to is the fact that there is a contentious side to the gospel. In that beautiful message that is called the gospel, there is a contentious side to it. You know, the gospel is the declaration of God's love. And that's a beautiful thing. Love, you know, they say love is a beautiful thing. And the gospel is basically saying, yeah, you are lost. 
but God loves you. So, you know, John 3, 16, for God love, so loved the world that he gave the only begotten son. Yet, you realize that to, to us, it was love. To Jesus, what was it? To Jesus, it was death. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, what was happening on the cross? What was happening on the cross was that the justice of God was being meted out to Jesus. So to Jesus, why do you think he cried my... <laughs> you know, that's like the one time Jesus would call God my God instead of saying my father. Jesus, when he was preaching, would always say, my father walks, so I walk. My father, you, my father, my father. When he was on the cross, he didn't say my father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because on the cross, Jesus was, God did not come as father on the cross. God came as the God who is the judge of the whole earth. And because the sin of the world was upon Jesus, Jesus had to collect the punishment in full. So to Jesus hanging on the cross, it was justice. To us, it was love. That's why the Bible says, how much more of a sorrow punishment? The <laughs> Bible says you should fear. Don't fear human beings because what's the worst they can do to you? They can kill you. But he said, fear God. Who can do what? Fear God. Because people think when they have died. <laughs> the way I understand it is that if God gives you a picture of hell one time, that person you hate with all your soul, you will not wish that that person will go to hell. You, you won't wish, you know the way people just casually say, go to hell, go to hell. You, if you know what hell looks like, the most wicked person you know, you will not wish that they go to hell. Hell is like the culmination of the fury of God. You understand? It's like God, when, you know when you are hungry and you decide, okay, let me, let, me, let me put my anger in a location. That's what God did. So that, the, the, let me put the punishment for sin in a location. So that if you refuse what Jesus offered, you go and collect that punishment by yourself. So if you can imagine it, the kind of things that Jesus went through on the cross, it wasn't just the beating. There was the spiritual pressure on his soul. The Bible says, where you see the travail of his soul, you will be satisfied. That means God was watching and the angels were counting that, is this punishment enough? It's not yet enough. So he will stay there until God was satisfied that the punishment matched the crime. And at that point, he said, Jesus looked around. He said, hmm, it is finished. What was finished? He meant the payment for the sin of the world was finished. But the criteria for us to enjoy that payment that is finished is that we will not accept. So when you are talking to people about God, it is not that, hmm, it's not that God will condemn them. It is that they are already. Do you understand the difference? It, it is not the case of when the person dies, then the person will be condemned. No. The person was born condemned. Was born 
headed to hell. So you are not trying to... So when people say, oh, God is wicked, God is not wicked. You, by the virtue of what you and your ancestors did, you are already, you are already in trouble. David said, in sin, my mother conceived. That means from the time you were born, you were already in trouble. So what Jesus brought was salvation from trouble. Not that, oh, because you didn't accept Jesus, you will go to hell. No, you were already going to hell anyway. Anyway, so there's a contentious side to it. And I don't know if I have the time to, no. Let me, let me, Jesus, what do I do now? One of the contentious sides to, to the gospel is the fact that Jesus comes and says, oh, I've come to save you. But there are many, many things that are not willing to let you go. You understand? There is sin. The one, there, there, you know, there is sin that easily be said. There is sin that you enjoy. There are different things. There is sin. There is the world. There is Satan that, won't, that doesn't want to let you go. So even though you are... When, so when you stand before somebody and you are telling them the gospel, you must realize that there are things contending over the life of that person that does not want them to go. That's why one of the things they say is that before you go and preach, you pray. So that you can, everyone you meet, you, when you pray, what does it mean to pray? When you intercede, what, what, what happens when you are interceding for someone? If you are saying, Lord, save this person. What is happening in the heavens is a contention. Because now by your prayers, you are facilitating a battle for the soul of that person. Many times what happens when you are praying for, especially people that have gone so deep into your cultic things, when you are praying for the salvation of their soul, Satan is trying to quickly kill them so that they don't escape. So there is a, a battle kicks in for the salvation of the soul of that person. So if you, if you pray, so you don't, once you, once, that's why God doesn't just, intercession is, every child of God should intercede. But there are many times that God just brings a particular person for you to pray for. I don't know if it's happened for, to you before, that you'll be praying for, you, somebody's name just comes to you. And you are just praying for the person and praying for the person and praying for the person. And after you have prayed for the person, you feel a release and then that matter is done. And then maybe later you hear something that happened to the person. Have you, has it happened to you before? One of, one, something like that happened to me some, uh, some time ago. I, I, I just felt I needed to pray for someone. The kind of prayer I had not done for myself was the kind of prayer I was doing for the person. You know what I mean? I, if, if I was praying for myself, I don't think, at that time, I don't think I'd prayed for myself like that before. I, I would start praying by 12 in the middle of the night, and I'll pray until 6. And I was not praying for me. I was praying for someone else. And I did it day one, day two. I think I did it from Monday to Saturday, 12 to 6, 12 to 6. And I knew it wasn't even prayer that concerned my own destiny. At least, you know, if you are, if you, if you are doing video for your own life, you at least, you will know that at least I'm praying for my own life. I knew it wasn't for me. So we fi I finished. Maybe the following Tuesday, the person calls me and said, hmm, do you know what happened? I said, what happened? So the person put the daughter with grandma and said, ah, we need to travel somewhere. So they traveled, got on the plane. He said, as they entered the plane, he had taken his laptop and was planning to do a number of things. He said as he entered the plane, he looked at his wife and said, ah, you know, we did not pray enough. And his wife said, I know.
So both of them, when they entered that plane, both of them knew that they did not pray. Because the only, it was later, it was soon that the Holy Ghost came to him and told him to be praying. He did not pray. He just did shuku shuku, Lord, give us, Lord, this, and he left it alone. So when the Holy Ghost said that this boy was not listening, the Holy Ghost came to find me. And it was me that was paying because the owner of the prayer did not pray their own prayer. You understand? And all of that. So they got on the plane and they knew they were in trouble. The plane left. The plane landed safely. You know, you would think the matter has finished. So they rented a car and they get on, got on the highway. See, as they were, you know when you are hitting 80, 100, 120, and your front tire decides it's not going with you anymore. It didn't pop. It removed. You know what I mean? Your front wheel just removes from your entire car and your wheel goes that way and your car goes this way. He said, the, the only thing they knew was that that car got to the side of the road and sat there. Normally, your car should not go and sit when the front wheel is gone. Your car should do what normally? So I went back to God and said, see, inside life, oh. <laughs> but do you know that the lesson is not somebody, the question is, who has gotten into trouble because somebody else did not pray? Who has died because someone did not pray? Who has, what, let me put it, what trouble have you gotten into? Because you didn't pray or because your father did not pray or because your mother did not pray. There is always, it's because human beings, one of the things you will find in this nation is that the consciousness of battle, spiritual battle, is lost. People don't go around thinking there is something out there. There is, they, it has been, they've, they've done, turned it into drama. So I was saying one day, I was working, I was saying, ah, Christmas is almost coming. And somebody said, no, Christmas is not coming, there's Halloween first. And I shook my head, ah. If you know what you just said, you will say it again. But that consciousness, you, you, they talk about demons. My, my daughter came home with a book this weekend, and she said I should read it to her. Eh. So I quickly read through the book to see what it was like before I started reading to her, so that nothing will catch me by surprise. When I read through the book, honestly, I did not want to read that book. The book was talking about worrying, and was talking of the fact that everybody always has something to worry about. So when I was reading it, I was changed. You know, she can't read. So I, I read what I wanted her to hear, not what the book said. Because I, be, she'll be okay. Because, because I, you cannot be telling a child that, every, that it is normal to be warning. When the Bible says be anxious for nothing, I'm not going to do it. But I already know that that's the battle we are going to fight it until she gets to a level where she understands the difference between let me just tell them what they want to hear so I can pass. Versus this is what life is. You cannot be programming children that they have to worry. Why? What are they supposed to what, what, what are they worried about? And do they make their own food? Do they buy their own clothes? Do they know where the money Do they even know what money is? So why should you be teaching a child that doesn't understand? Why should you be teaching the child that it is normal to worry? No, it's not. It's not. Because what happens is that, you, you know what, what, one of the things the devil does is he, he puts adults, you know, like I was telling you the example of the, 
of the spirits that entered the pig and they entered into water. So when you put adults, when you put the weight of adults on children, they will crumble. You will ruin their minds before they are old enough to deal with that matter. So you understand why when they say they do gender reassignment, at what age do they do gender reassignment? What's the youngest you can be to do it? Maybe 10 or younger than that. So before you are able to make informed decisions, what's the age of alcohol in this country? What's the voting age in this country? How come you now tell people they can change their gender at 10? Before they are holding up, you, you believe somebody should be 18 before, that means at 18 is when they expect you to understand the political landscape. And you're able to say, okay, this candidate is nonsense based on what they said, this one is good. You understand? They, they believe that you should be 18 before you can judge the effects of alcohol. But it's okay, you can become a boy or become a girl at 10. And then you go and you now start finding stories of people that did it when they were that small, and now they are 20 and they are upset. I read of people that are suing the government now. Because you are asking one woman, how do you know that your, your boy is a girl? Said because he used to wear the sister's clothes. Are you high? So because a boy. What did all of us do? All of us that had sisters growing up, what did you do? You wear their shoe. You go, does it make us girls? But that was enough reason for someone to, you understand? You put on the skirt because it's, it's easier than your trouser. Don't, is that enough reason for all of us to say? But that was enough reason for somebody to take their child somewhere and be getting them injected with hormone blockers. Why? Because the, the, the consciousness of contention is missing. You you watch movies, they say they just say demons, demons, it means nothing. Your favorite Aladdin, Aladdin is flying on a mat. You cannot see the witchcraft that is that is hitting you right in the face. Somebody's what's the name of that show where the woman is on a broom? You are watching all those things, you are not seeing the witchcraft, eh? You are not seeing the witchcraft in your face. And your children will say, we want to watch, and you let them watch. The servant of God said that he, he, he suddenly felt that there was a demonic presence in their house. So he was walking around, was walking around. And then he got his daughter's room and saw her screaming. Why are you screaming? He said, there is something, there's a demon in her room. Ah, what happened? What did you do? And then the man realized that she, brought, she got a book from a friend also and brought the book home. And started to read the book. She hid the book under her duvet and was reading it. And in the in the process of reading it, she had opened her spirit up. So a demon came. He said it took him two hours prayer to get that thing out of his daughter. Two hours. That he said he stood there and for two straight hours praying so that that thing could leave. Imagine if he didn't even have any spiritual consciousness. I know Satan is bad because he will sit down there. The day he will show himself, he won't be around. Let's rise up and pray. We have, we have said enough today. We cannot. You can't sleep, oh. You can't sleep. Let me, let me just lay it down. You cannot sleep. He said, the devil walks about like a roaring lion. You know, I was saying it at the Bible study. 
that if 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 you and the devil there's not much difference in power between you then the devil has the advantage because you you sleep abi now you you don't sleep apostle was saying it he woke up and there was some thing in his throat you do did you check how many people that thing killed? Ah, go and check. Because that's how people just die. I was telling us some weeks ago when um, my wife's grandmother, they were doing funeral, and somebody came to her in the dream and said, ah, this is your grandma that died. It would be good for us to bury you without... You, you know that's what happens. And then they'll say the person slept and didn't wake up. What, what that person fought, sometimes what that person fought in the dream was bigger than them. Because she started to pray in the spirit in the dream and she woke up praying in tongues. Imagine if you didn't have the Holy Ghost. They will now say, ah, that person slept oh, and they didn't wake up. It's when we see Jesus that when he tells us the backstory of how the person died, that we will realize that they got into a battle that they were not equipped enough to fight. Close your eyes and pray for yourself. Let my relationship with the Holy Ghost come alive. Let, <laughs> let me not be fighting battles that I'm not equipped to fight. Let my relationship with the Holy Ghost come alive. That's the only prayer I have for you today. I'll not be fighting battles that... <laughs> Zekataparush keti kambe latabratos kita baratabas. Ezikataberanes kelam beretos katali de brandos kete kabas. Zeto pratos kita kavonata libra dozizo pelatalas. Zeto kate di brando dosita baratosita brato dozezeke. Mateli brandosita ambeles. Zekato brando dosita brando dosita katai. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to find the flames of your power. Help me to find the flames of your power. Help me to find the flames of your glory. Help me to find find the flames. Find the flames of our relationship. Paruse tali grato banas. Zete kato librato gedises alesita. Mazete kateli de breto tozize katavanas. Zeto pariske tandeske pambela cabana. Jeti kato labaruse telebrato dizes. Zeto pelatabranos katela. Jetu kateli zezuna sito brandoskita. Elibro tozuze keto gades. Zeto Catelia Brado Sudi Basita Keto Sita Brano Scudes Mazazola Pelatala Recoto Bacatelia Paratosiaca. We are going to take communion now, but just pray that that communion will be a foundation of a new level in the Holy Ghost. It will be the foundation of a new level in the Holy Ghost. It will be enablement for to climb higher. It will be enablement to climb higher. In the name of Jesus. Zantali brato telize zemos zekupa kale. Thank you. Maruse selete brendo dozes. Mantelabora basita haligra dovenas.
zete papolian telete ligata kabosquete libra hado venasa jeti baseli pratosia kaba holy ghost i want to know you holy ghost i want to know i already have you but i want to know you i already have you but i want to know you more that your power might be seen in me that your grace might be seen in me that your strength might be seen in me that my life will be on fire for you that my life will be on fire for you rute si catenamo celebrando shit eligrato velata zezila brato du zezila macanda catolia rutu sita palasuti abrato sita in jesus name we pray father oh lord i ask this afternoon let our spiritual senses come alive let us be sensitive atmosphere around us let satan not be working in our lives and in our, and around us and we will not even notice let the enemy not have a field day because of our ignorance let the enemy not win because of our lack of perception as we take this communion let it be an activation of a, of a desire within us to know you more of a desire within us to relate with you better as we take the bread and the wine symbols of the flesh and Jesus and, and the blood that Jesus will be seen that the power of the Holy Ghost will be activated and we will go in strength and might and your word in our mouth will be irresistible thank you Father in Jesus name we pray